from last uh, night. And, yep, I dressed up as a preacher and just kept it on. So, yep, going to carry it through the rest of the week. Um, th- if you're uh, brand new to this service, welcome. It is great to have you here. The joy of worshiping with you and what you bring to this place is a real privilege to have you uh, choose this morning to worship with us. For those of you who uh, maybe this is your 100th or 500th time here, I thank you for your faithfulness and for helping to mold and form this place in ways that make us more like Christ. We have, for the last seven weeks, this week included, been attempting to look at a number of key things that form who we are, the character of this church. We believe that they are character foundation stones that are true of Christ church universal, but we want over and over again to be reminded of what it is that draws us forward, that helps us to enter into other conversations and discussions having a foundation or an anchor point that holds us steady so that we can always know from which we have come to where we are going because we have before us the things that we hold dear and hold as sacred. So, it's part of this last seven-week span. We looked at our mission, which is to lift up Christ, how that's not to be some statement on a plaque that we nod at as we go through a building, but instead is a statement that expresses how we want to live out our faith, that it's not just a excerpt from Scripture, but it's a call to action and a call to being a particular way. We've looked at some of the things that come in behind that mission as a very important piece of defining who we are, that we want to be a church that is, is uh, guided by prayer, that Scripture is that which forms us. That love is the thing that motivates us. We want as one of our key characteristics to be that we value and treasure children and youth. Not just as a statement about the church that is to come, but the church present. Valuing their input into our life and our sacred duty to keep safe their journey and to teach and learn with them and before them. This morning we want to talk about the church as a sacramental church, a place of grace. It is the last in this series of seven. It also bridges us to what's going to take place in the month of November, what begins today, and that's 30 days of prayer. But this as kind of a conclusion to one, a start to another. What it means to be a place of grace. But we go back to these truths, not simply to fill up a sermon series, but instead because doing so helps us to be what God has called us to be and helps us to stand in a way That when we enter into difficult conversations or face incredibly difficult circumstances, we're not thrown off, we don't tumble down the hillside, 
we don't give up, we don't get frustrated or angry, not to say those emotions never come, but in terms of our journey of faith, we keep revisiting these important touchstones because of how they guide us into our future. There's a wonderful uh, story that comes out of the business environments, kind of become legend in some circles. I first read about it in an essay or article that was written by Vince Diacchioli. He's a gentleman who was here in our church several years back. And when he was on the speaking circuit, he came to know a lady by the name of Betsy Sanders. Betsy Sanders was at one time an employee of Nordstrom's. She rose up through the ranks very quickly. She started as a sales associate, like most do, but as the years passed and the promotions came, she became one of the um, executives within the company. And upon first reading or hearing of this story, I didn't quite understand the why behind it until I heard the whole story, but it's told that Nordstrom invited at one point in time the executives of J.C. Penney to come join them for lunch at their headquarters. They had a particular place in their heart for J.C. Penney, apparently. That company being very old at the time, over 100 years old. I don't know much about the founding father of that organization, J.C. Penney, but I've been told that he was quite a man of faith. Nevertheless, that was some time ago. They accepted the invitation and they went to the Nordstrom offices and joined with the Nordstrom executives, sat down to eat, the conversation unfolded. And in the process of the conversation, one of the J.C. Penney executives spoke to some of the others in Nordstrom's and offered a very nice compliment. He said, uh, It's been amazing what you've been able to accomplish in such a short span of time. Your method of operations, your reputation for customer service, the way in which you conduct business, well, people all over the globe study it. What's your secret? What do you do that's so different? As Betsy tells this story, One of the Nordstrom executives gets up, leaves the room, and goes to a room that's nearby and grabs a book, brings it back into the conference room, and sets it down in front of the J.C. Penney workers and says, we do everything that's written in that book. It was an operations manual It happened to be 100 years old. It was J.C. Penney's original operations manual. Fascinating story. A story where a company had lost their roots, had somehow forgotten what got them to where they were. Someone else seeing the value in it took it upon themselves to put into practice powerful and good principles that had been time-tested. And it was what formed Nordstrom's, I understand, and how they did what they did. It's really easy 
to forget the book that got us here. To stop treasuring the revelation we have of our Lord and Savior. It's not that we don't pay attention to what is the latest and the newest and what's the new cutting edge. All of those things are great. But what are the foundation stones that hold us steady? The principles that guide us. So that's why we've spent so much time in the last two months digging into these things and why today we talk about what it means to be a place of grace. Because grace needs to be what defines us. It needs to be the character of what we show to others. Not just here, but wherever we go when we leave this place. Because one of our guiding principles is that we're a sent church. We gather together to go. We come to this place and learn so that we may be sent. So that the good news through us has the opportunity to offer grace to other people. As Milton mentioned, this is All Saints Day. All Saints Day is celebrated by various faith traditions in different ways. Some are more familiar with it than others are. It may be something that's been part of your journey for years. It may be something that you have never paid attention to other than you see it on your calendar and go, wow, look at that, it's All Saints Day. All Saints Day probably has a history that goes back to the 8th century in Ireland. It has a different history in different cultures, celebrated in different ways. But it really has at its heart an acknowledgement of the sacredness, the holiness of our faith journey. There are some ways in which you could compare it, I guess, to the very wonderful but secular holiday of Memorial Day, because that's a day where we remember those who have paid a price for the freedoms that we enjoy, and we acknowledge that and their life and sacrifice. This is part of the Christian calendar. And, and the word saint in Scripture, hagios, it most often is interpreted as holy in association with a holy God or the Holy Spirit. Over and over again, it's linked to God and God's holiness. But when it's linked to people, it's a reference to the holy nature of the faith journey. And so it gets translated saint or saints in Scripture, of which you are a part if you are on that faith journey. This pursuit of holiness to be like God in God's character, God's holy nature. It's part of what we do together. So this notion of All Saints Day carries with it this sense of being saints on the journey as well as acknowledging those who have gone before us. We're probably far more familiar in our culture with yesterday's holiday, Halloween, I have to confess, I am not one who gets anxious about Halloween. In fact, I probably am at the other end of the spectrum where 
I get frustrated that we sometimes let go of something just because it's been co-opted by culture or others when there's something very special about it. All Saints Day is sometimes called All Hallows Day. It's a holiness day, and so Hallows Eve was the day before All Saints Day. And that eventually gets shortened to Halloween. A day that in some cultures actually has a very sacred tradition of children gathering fruit from various households as part of the tradition. I think that we ought to do a better job of talking about the sacredness of some things. It's not to say that it can't go off the other end, but I wish that instead of the concerns over Mardi Gras, we taught how that came out of Ash Wednesday and the beginning of the Lenten season. Instead of our anxiety over the commercialization of this point from now through Christmas, we do a better job of talking about Advent. I just wish we would step into those conversations in ways that acknowledge the good things of what they represent. And so this three-day span in some cultures speaks about the hallowedness of this journey of faith. We'll look in a few moments a little bit more closely at the Lord's Prayer, but our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It's acknowledgement of God's holiness. I, I, I would like to tell you my favorite costume of the night from last night. We had a lot of wonderful ones that came to our door. Um, there was one, however, that I'll have to say probably was over the top. I think it's probably one some of you maybe have seen before, but I had never seen it before. My wife answered the door, and she yelled to me that I had to come and participate in this one. I came to the door, and I looked outside of our door. There was another door that was part of the outfit or costume or whatever. I didn't realize it at the time, but behind the door, there were four or five um, male college students that were dressed up. But on this door, which was the only thing I could see outside of my door, was a little sign that said, please knock. So I open my door, step out on the porch, and I knock on the door, and they pull the door back, and they are dressed up as elderly people with candy to give away. <laughs> it was great. My wife was so taken with it that she gave them all the rest of our candy, <laughs> poured it into their bucket. It was wonderful. Besides the humor, it was also kind of fun to see someone who, on a day where so many others kind of take, they were giving. And that was a fun thing, a twist on a great moment. It, it was a great reminder to me of our calling to kind of turn the thought process upside down a little bit to think about things in a fresh, new way. This day, All Saints Day, is also about remembering. Remembering 
others whose stories we don't get adequate opportunities to tell. There are those who have lost someone close to them. And shortly after losing someone close to you, there are all kinds of people, sympathetic, compassionate, who express their concerns and give you an opportunity to tell your story. But it's not long before people stop listening. Not out of mean intent. They've just heard the story already. And they don't bring it up again. Some of you are aware that last weekend I had a chance to take my father to um, his alma mater, sister school to this one, in Illinois. And he lives in Oklahoma, so it was for us Bill and Ted's big adventure to uh, load up in Oklahoma and make our way up to Illinois, the two of us. My father is a few months away from being 90, and so it took a lot more planning and time than might otherwise be the case, but it was an absolutely wonderful, delightful time. In the course of this weekend, there was an event that in some ways precipitated his interest in going, and that was that there was a banquet for intramural all-stars, of which my father is an intramural all-star, before the school had intercollegiate athletics. So, Next year, if I recall correctly, that will be my dad's 70th year reunion from that school. And he gathered with a number of other intramural all-stars. I looked at the plaque that was on the wall that had all the names over the course of the years of intramurals. Saw a number of names of people that my mom dated other than my dad. Um, <laughs> She was an all-star, apparently. (laughs) There was a rather awkward moment at the end of the banquet as um, things were winding down a little bit. The person who was emceeing it, wonderful gentleman, he said... You know, I would love to take just a few moments and allow several people to stand up. And if you have a story that you'd like to share with uh, all of us about what the school meant to you, about what those days meant to you, about something on your journey that relates to that, I'd like to give you an opportunity to do so. Several people stood up. At one point in time, my dad stood up. And my dad made an initial comment about the school, but then it just took a really sharp turn to the right As my dad, in his somewhat broken speech, he's a survivor of a stroke 20 years ago that still affects his speech, he began to talk about his spouse, my mom, who passed away a year ago yesterday. He got emotional, started tearing up, attempted to then say a few words, and I'm not sure exactly why, because it's one of those things that didn't fit directly with the moment. He started talking about her last day of life. 
Not the kind of thing you would expect at an intramural all-star sports banquet. An incredibly gracious crowd. There was then a dramatic pause that was about as awkward as dramatic pauses can get. I'm just sitting there listening and smiling. And he ends the pause by saying, well, I think maybe I ought to just sit down. And he sat down. I stood up and made a few comments, making a bridge from his few words in thanks to the people that were there. As I sat down and in the course of the next 24 hours, I was reflecting on those very awkward moments. My dad's comments didn't fit real well with the banquet. But it was the story that was on his heart. I think initially it might have made some people a little uncomfortable, maybe me more than anyone else. But there are a whole bunch of people there that fully understood that it was the story that was on his heart. And I got to thinking how much my dad needs to tell his story again. So as the weekend unfolded, we talked some more. About that. All Saints Day is a day for us to talk about that. For people in your life that are no longer here to be with you in your life. Whose story you haven't had a chance to share in a while. Not even exactly sure what you want to share, but knowing that something feels like it's missing, and yet something feels incredibly present. I don't know if it's true for everyone in here, but I'm guessing for many in here, a chance to tell some story again. What a person meant. Moment that changed your life something that was modeled, that stayed with you for such a long time, a life that felt like it was taken away too soon, and nobody's been listening to that story for a long time. This ought to be a week where maybe, just maybe, we say, you have any stories you want to tell? I actually have one of my own. That I haven't had a chance to tell in a long time, but I want to remember. You see, it's in, it's in remembering that we go back to those things that hold such value to us. It is what happens when we come in communion. Jesus says, do this in remembrance. It's a remembrance of grace that brings grace into the present. It is the very thing that helps me move into my future because I have remembered. It's not a living in the past. It is bringing the experience of the past into the now. And in so doing, the holiness storyline keeps pushing us into the future in beautiful and profound ways.
It is a day that reminds us to do that, but not the only day to do that. The passage that was read is Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. It is the passage that says that we should seek first the kingdom of God and God's righteousness. And then all of these things will be added to us as well. We, I, maybe some of you get distracted by all of the other things other than God and God's righteousness. I I get distracted by what I'll eat and drink and what I'm going to wear. You heard what it was said. It's very clear that life is a whole lot more than just what we eat and drink, and the body is a whole lot more than what we wear. The examples are all around us of God taking care of us. The birds of the air, they don't sow, reap, sow away in barns. Yet, your Heavenly Father takes care of them. And you're worth a lot more than they are. Or the grass. Have you ever noticed what God does with the grass? The flowers that bloom? Solomon on his best day doesn't come close. And that's grass that gets thrown into the fire. How much more valuable are you? So, don't worry. But instead, seek first God's kingdom and God's righteousness. All of these other things, God's going to work out in your life's journey. That's a tall promise, because sometimes it feels like it's not working out at all. But stay true to seeking God's kingdom and God's righteousness and see what God will do. It's the making of a saint. It's the transformation into holy sainthood. This month, as others have said, and as I mentioned before, 30 days of prayer, week by week we look at a different emphasis This week, we're looking at the Lord's Prayer, which comes at the beginning of this chapter in chapter 6. And my hope is that you might consider following us verse by verse through the week. You can go online, find the page in prayer, and it just takes you verse by verse with some options for how we might pray. The first day takes us into that first verse of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. What might it be to offer up our praise, our thanksgivings to God, collectively as a body of believers? And then each day to add one more verse in our prayer life together. What's interesting about this week, though, is that as we do that, there are several days that call us toward confession, which is incredibly important for the journey of holy living. Because holiness is not about what I've done. Holiness is about Christ and what Christ has done. My holiness does nothing. There is no holiness on my own. Any righteousness I might have is because Christ dwells within. The invitation for Christ to take over my life is the invitation to transform me into someone who holds Christ's righteousness, not my own. In order to do that, I have to confess my own sin, my own shortcomings, my own inability to please God on my own strength. It's a confession that says, oh God, I'm sorry for not only what I've done, but what I have failed to do. 
not only for what I've said, but for what I've failed to say. There are times when I don't even know how what I do affects somebody in such a bad way. I'm oblivious to it, but I need to confess those things as well. My own fallenness and the way our world is, the toes that I've stepped on, the things that I've said, whether intentional or not, have left people feeling as if they were the ones on the outside of an us-versus-them kind of a journey. Times when I've been silent and I haven't spoken up and I've allowed in the room for racism to just kind of sit there. For someone to feel as if they are on the outside looking in because I didn't correct something that I heard. I didn't speak into the moment. But chose in that moment to simply be silent. God forgive me. God, forgive me when I've spoken up at the wrong time, when I've stepped on somebody, when I've pushed over someone, when I haven't listened well. Forgive me, Lord. Not only is that found in the passage, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us, but at the very end, the very verse that follows the Lord's Prayer says, for if we forgive others when they sin against us, our Heavenly Father will forgive us. But if we fail to forgive others, our Heavenly Father can't forgive our journey. This week is a week of confession. If we want to move corporately into a place where we want to be as a church, we need to be willing individually and collectively to confess. To say as a church, we've not always been a good reflection of Christ. To say as a church... We've not always been the beacon of light in this neighborhood. To say as a church, we've not always gotten it right. We've not always been hospitable. We've not always been kind. Lord, forgive us. Help us to be your body. Help us to be Christ to others. So what does it mean this morning for us? Simple beginnings. The Lord said clearly as he taught the disciples to pray, pray simply. Don't make it complicated. Just pray simply. Our journey together is a simple one. We follow Christ. Whoever Christ might lead us. So I'd love for us to pause for a few moments in prayer. We've prayed already this morning, but I invite us to a few moments of prayer that this might be a continuation of an amazing storyline of people who have gone before us in the days that bring us to this moment. Stepping into 30 days of prayer that lead us into the Advent season. That mark our church the church of prayer. We'll have a few moments of silence. Please know that I know the world doesn't go silent. It's for us to go silent. <laughs> the noises you hear are children that make noises or a communion cup that drops. It's okay. We learn to listen in the midst of all the noise of our world.
be a privilege for me then to lead us in prayer, but I hope you lift up your prayers to God as well. Let's pray together. Thank you for meeting us here, Lord, right where we are at, inviting us into your presence. We come to you and we want to hallow your name. We want to honor and glorify you and let you know of our love and our praise. Confessionally, Lord, though, there are times and some of us here who come struggling with circumstances that don't seem to align with you being a God of love or a God of omnipotence. Circumstances that have us confused or frustrated or angry. So Lord, very simply, we confess that and bring it to you. Not so much apologizing for our emotional reaction as much as allowing that to shift into resentment or pushing away from you the one who can help us to work through these things. You, the God of redemption who can bring out of any circumstances new life. So Lord, we confess those circumstances and ask for your help. Lord, we confess our sin for what we've done and left undone, for what we've said and left unsaid, for those ways in which we have not glorified you and honored you. You've already invited us to the table of grace. It doesn't mean our confession stops, Lord. As you bring new things to mind, may we be in a posture of confession as a lifestyle, as a place of humility. And yet, Lord, you invite us into your presence to be sent with your authority and your power. So it's obvious that it's not on our own, but it's in your authority and your power to live out our faith and allow the kingdom of heaven to come through us. Lord, I pray that that might be true. Forgive us, reconcile us, redeem us, and then help us to be agents of reconciliation and grace to others. 
Help us to take the good news to any place that you give us the privilege to live and to work, to play, to interact, to study. Thank you for this day that is a day of remembrance. Teach us, Lord, how to remember well the lives of those who have gone before us and has so much to teach us. Help us to bring grace into the present through our remembering. Lord, we are grateful and we praise your name. Amen. Let's join together in song.